This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. Today I'd like to speak about what to do when there is more than one occurrence uh, on a claim. Commercial general liability policies are written with endorsements that make the number of occurrences highly important, especially in continuing loss cases where deductibles or self-insured retentions are charged based on the number of occurrences or the number of claims. Policy limits can apply individually per occurrence, individually per loss, individually per claim, or in the aggregate over a one-year period. The test applied is usually an objective test. A triggering injury, in fact, for an underlying claim may be found as early as the time of first exposure to asbestos or silica and may continue progressively through the claimant's death or the date of filing the claim, whichever occurs earlier. In a case called Lombard v. Sewage and Water Board of New Orleans, a 1973 decision of the Louisiana Supreme Court and its progeny, exposure cases have applied the effect test as opposed to the cause test in determining the number of occurrences. A common method of allocation is referred to as the time-on-risk method, whereby each insurer is responsible for the pro-rata percentage of time the insurer's policy was in effect over the course of the full time period over which loss was sustained by the insured. Allocation of loss through time-on-risk method while not foreclosing pro-rata allocation among insurers by other methods, was considered in Consolidated Edison of New York versus Allstate, a 2002 decision of the New York courts. The courts have recognized a coverage-triggering inquiry is analytically distinct from the question whether a policy treats a series of related acts or incidents as one or multiple occurrences. Similarly, in a case presenting the question of what constitutes a separate occurrence under the policies at issue, the Sixth Circuit repeatedly emphasized that the portions of the policies addressing coverage-triggering issues that specified when and where an occurrence must take place for coverage to exist had no bearing on the distinct question of the number of occurrences. An issue distinct from whether coverage is triggered in a particular policy period is the number of occurrences the action, in that case abuse, constituted consistent with this distinction the court concluded that the first occurs policy language is intended to address the trigger of coverage issue and has no bearing upon the separate question whether a series of related acts of molestation should be treated as one or multiple occurrences. 
Pennsylvania applies a cause approach to defining occurrences for liability insurance purposes. Under the cause approach, courts consider whether there is a single cause or multiple causes for losses sustained. More specifically, courts ask if there was but one proximate, uninterrupted, and continuing cause which resulted in all of the injuries or damages. The cause approach stands in contrast to the effects approach, which calculates the number of occurrences by looking to the effect of the accident. The Supreme Court of Connecticut was asked to interpret various provisions of a professional liability insurance policy to determine the amount of coverage available when the same general event has given rise to a large number of claimants against the policy. In Lexington Insurance Company versus Lexington Healthcare, a January 2014 decision of the Connecticut Supreme Court, it dealt with such a decision and read the policy as a whole rather than as a means to help the injured. It is a firm rule in the construction of insurance contracts to apply the expressed intent of the parties ascertained by examining the contract or policy as a whole. By equating distinct terms and reading endorsements or wording in isolation rather than in conjunction with other parts of the policy, the Connecticut Supreme Court concluded that the trial court improperly rendered the aggregate limits provided by the declaration superfluous and improperly concluded that a total of $10 million in professional liability coverage was available for all of the individual defendants' claims. The Supreme Court concluded, to the contrary, that the policy provides for only $1 million in professional liability coverage for those claims because that is the aggregate limit for that coverage part at a single insured location. Everyone tasked with interpreting an insurance policy must read the full policy. Some courts have concluded that an occurrence is determined by reference to the underlying cause or causes of the damage. Other courts have concluded that an insurance occurrence is determined based on the effect of the accident. Finally, a third group of courts has concluded that an occurrence is determined by reference to the event or events triggering liability on the part of the insured. Policies favoring judicial economy and basic fairness to all of the litigants require that in a case where there were three excess insurers, it was held that they all be joined as necessary parties where the primary insurer alleged that its policy limits had been exhausted. Each of the three excess carriers were necessary and proper to the declaratory judgment. In a case where the insured, the Red Cross, sought coverage for HIV-contaminated blood claims 
filed against it, the underlying claimants sought substantial damages from the Red Cross well in excess of $1 million each of the relevant primary liability policies the insurer Travelers Indemnity Company sold to the Red Cross, and they contained $1 million per occurrence limits. The parties agreed that the cause test governed the determination of the number of occurrences. The cause test can be defined as, quote, the general rule it is that an occurrence is determined by the cause or causes of the resulting injury. The majority of jurisdictions employ the cause theory. Using this analysis, the court asked if there was but one proximate, uninterrupted, and continuing cause which resulted in all of the injuries and damage. The insurer in Red Cross versus Travelers claimed that there was only one occurrence, the negligent handling of the premises, rather than the multiple causes. The court held that each distribution of contaminated blood constituted a separate occurrence. Travelers had paid $1 million in claims and felt it could stop defending. Travelers had not paid $1 million on any one claim. Because the court found multiple occurrences during the policy period, it held the insurer had not exhausted its policy limits and was obligated to continue to defend the Red Cross. The court refused to resort to the level of generality urged by the travelers in applying the cause test. The Ohio Court of Appeal held that the actions of an insured who at the 1999 Oktoberfest celebration in downtown Cincinnati drank an excessive amount of alcohol. After leaving Oktoberfest, he drove his automobile through the barricades surrounding the event, and he ultimately drove the car through a crowd of people gathered around a bandstand and injured more than 20 of those people before his car struck another vehicle and came to a stop. His actions constituted a single accident, and the injuries occurred as a result of an indivisible course of conduct on the part of the insured and were, therefore, the product of a single sudden, unexpected, and unintended occurrence under the auto policy. Since the event constituted one occurrence, only a single per-occurrence limit of $25,000 was available regardless of the number of victims. The cost test was also applied in Owens, Illinois v. United Insurance Company in 1998 three decision of a New Jersey appellate court that found that multiple underlying asbestos-related injury claims constituted a single occurrence. As a result of the single occurrence holding, the insured avoided paying a separate per-occurrence deductible for each underlying claim. If it had been required to pay a deductible for every claim, the insurance would never have come into effect. 
The court concluded that the insured's liability arose out of a series of interrelated acts. If adopted, the insurer's multiple occurrence rather than single occurrence position would completely nullify the insured's coverage, both primary and excess for all those few individual personal injury and property damage claims which exceeded the $250,000 self-insured retention or deductible. The court concluded it did not believe that that was the party's intent. The decision is another situation where a court, looking at a factual situation with 2020 hindsight, found that the intent of the parties was to provide coverage to the insured regardless of the clear and unambiguous language of the policy. Other cases, like Diamond Shamrock v. Aetna, a 1992 decision of a New Jersey appellate court, applied the reasonable expectations of coverage test. The case involved a war exclusion and applied the test to conclude that a reasonable insured would understand the war exclusion applied to injuries that occurred from the use of Agent Orange in Vietnam. Although the court accepted that it would be unseemly and unfair to aggregate the number and amounts of deductibles where a single cause results in multiple injuries, it also concluded that the real question in terms of product's liability was whether Agent Orange was reasonably fit, suitable, and safe for its intended or foreseeable purpose. Agent Orange was an instrument of war which was effectively used in Vietnam. It was not designed to be commercially used in the United States, and in designing and manufacturing the product, Diamond was obligated by the product's liability law to make it reasonably safe for its foreseeable purpose as a weapon of war. The delivery of Agent Orange to military authorities in the United States was not an accident, nor was it an occurrence for which liability ultimately attached. Without deciding the issue, the court found that its multiple occurrence holding followed the reasonable expectations of the parties and observed that a single occurrence interpretation would have resulted in no coverage. It should be clear from the review of these cases that the courts have no problem applying the reasonable expectations test to maximize the coverage available to the insured. Every insurer, therefore, before making a decision with regard to the loss in progress rule or exclusions dealing with intentional acts, should seek the advice and counsel of an experienced insurance coverage lawyer in the jurisdiction where the loss occurred or the claim was made, since the law does not appear to be applied consistently in different jurisdictions. The principles governing the interpretation of insurance policies in California, for example, are well settled. The goal of an appellate court in construing insurance contracts 
as with contracts generally, is to give effect to the parties' mutual intentions. If contractual liability language is clear and explicit, it governs. If the terms are ambiguous, that is, susceptible of more than one reasonable interpretation, the court will interpret them to protect the objectively reasonable expectations of the insured. If these rules do not resolve an ambiguity, the court may then result to the rule that ambiguities are to be resolved against the insurer. Abundant policy reasons support the adoption of the doctrine of honoring reasonable expectations. First, most people and judges consider insurance policies to be lengthy, complicated documents, which frequently are not read by the insured. Second, insurance policies are classic examples of adhesion contracts, leaving the consumer with minimal bargaining power. Third, protecting reasonable expectations frequently prevents an unconscionable result. Fourth, if the insurance is procured for a specific reason and the insurance company could reasonably ascertain this reason, the expectations of the insured should be protected. The reasonable expectations doctrine recognized the true origin of standardized contract provisions. It frees the courts from having to write a contract for the parties and removes the temptation to create ambiguity or invent intent to reach a result. The underlying principle of the reasonable expectations doctrine, that reasonable expectations of insurance coverage should be honored, has been recognized by the majority of jurisdictions which have considered the issue and by a steady progression of the law in various states, including the state of Oklahoma. This video was adapted from my book, Zalma on Insurance Claims, Part 105, Third Edition, which is available from Amazon.com as a Kindle book, a paperback, or a hardcover. If you found this video to be useful or interesting to you or your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please also subscribe to my YouTube channel and my Rumble channel. Clicking on the like button or the Rumble button as you view it. And please also subscribe to my blog, to my Substack publications, and to my Excellence in Claims Handling program, which is only available by subscription from Substack. Thank you for your attention.